You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. There's a lot more avenues for them to reach people. And so I think while email will always remain, you know, one particular channel that will see scams being delivered, uh, scammers have kind of branched out and, and are using a lot of different methods in, in order to find potential victims. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hey, Joe. Hi, Dave. we got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Jason Schultz joins us. He is a technical leader with Cisco Talos. We're talking about their research on scammers using Google Forms. But first, a word from our sponsor, Know Before. Where would InfoSec professionals be without users making security mistakes? Working less than 60 hours per week, perhaps. Actually having a weekend every so often. We get it. User behavior can be a challenge. But users can also be an InfoSec professional's greatest asset once properly equipped. What do we mean by that? Well, stay with us, and in a few minutes, we'll hear from our sponsors at Know Before on that very question. All right, Joe, uh, we've got some good stuff to cover here this week. I'm going to jump right in here. Okay. Uh, I have a story from... Uh, organization called Ampersec. They're um, kind of mostly an industrial security company, but uh, they have someone who works there called Carrie Tomlinson, uh, and she runs a little division there called Ampere News. And she does some really interesting work, kind of runs her own little news division there as part of the company. Uh, And uh, she recently published a story about some deepfake romance scams. Um, And... Let me describe how this works. So, of course, we're familiar with romance scams. Indeed we are. Somebody, you know, pretends to have a romantic interest in someone, but they're really just interested in getting their money. Uh, and they will tell them anything to make that happen. Yes. So drain their bank accounts. Drain their bank accounts. They will stick with it until the person either runs out of money or realizes it's a scam. That's right. That's right. Taking advantage of the fact that everybody just wants to be loved. Right. Um, so... What these criminals have done, and uh, there's a there's a YouTube video that's part of the story we'll link to here that, that really shows it, but I'm going to try to describe it here. They will use two phones. So phone number one is running a real-time deepfake software. So with this software, you, and this is something you can get for your iPhone, you can get for your Android phone, basically you can load in a photo of someone and it will use the camera on the phone to look at you and animate that photo in real time as if it were that person speaking. This is very similar to like the snap filters that make you look like a little deer or a mouse yep. or something. It, yeah, exactly the same thing, except right. here they're, the going photo. For, they're going for photorealism. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty good. So they'll have that running on one phone, 
And then with a second phone, they'll be having the call with the victim. But that second phone's camera is looking at the first phone's screen. I see. So to the person they're having the conversation with, what they're seeing is the real-time animation on that first phone screen, which could be whatever they want it to be. Right. And they show that they'll, uh, they'll have... Uh, and these scammers are pretty much exclusively men. Right. Uh, at least in this story, that's all they show. But they'll pretend to be women. They'll pretend to be... Uh, people of a completely different race or size or you know, shape or anything. And it looks pretty realistic. Uh, this story shows that these scammers have been bragging about this on social media and posting videos of them doing their scams. Hmm. And they show a bunch of these in the video that's part of the story. And they actually show them talking to some of their victims. And the victims just go right along with it. Hmm. Um, they uh, they explain some of the limitations of the software to the victim by saying, oh, I have a, a bad connection or you must have a bad connection or something like that. You know, yeah. and that's, that's why it's not so clear. More likely they'll push it off on the victim. That's just, I'm just being speculating here, but seems like the kind of person that does that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> just a horrible, horrible person. No, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what they do. Every opportunity to make that person question themselves and kind of weaken their resolve. Right. Uh, they'll do that, and yeah. they're really good at it. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are these guys Nigerian? I believe in this particular case some of them are, yes. Okay, because we've heard before about Nigerian scammers bragging about how much they scam people out of. Right. But we've never heard that about other other scamming groups, other mm. locales. Like, there are huge scam centers in India. Right. And I've never heard about Indian guys scamming people. Huge scam centers in Eastern Europe, I've never heard of those guys bragging about it. Yeah. But I have heard about the Nigerians doing that. Yeah, and I've uh, we've reported here, I want to say early on on our show here, we've talked about how there was kind of a, a, a cultural element of uh, them saying, that the Nigerians specifically right. saying, if I can scam someone, that's on them. Right. They should be, you know, yeah. they, they don't feel any guilt about it. I will say um, this about the Nigerian government. They strongly disagree with that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. They, they are not happy about this. No. If you're the, if you're the leaders of Nigeria, you, this is not the, the number one thing you want, you know, your tourism board to have to talk about, right? right? When, <laughs> when people think of your country, you don't want the first thing they think of to be scammers. Right. Right. And, right. and these guys are trying to represent, they're the largest most, or the most populous country in Africa. Mm -hmm. They're, they're coming, you know, they're developing nation. They're coming in, into the world as an economic power. Yeah. Uh, and they want, they want not this. <laughs> yeah. Not this. Yeah. No, it's a fascinating story. And I recommend that everybody, if this is something you're interested in, uh, click through to the story. We'll have a link in the show notes. And, and there is a video that really shows how this works. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to highlight that there's some interesting advice about how to protect yourself here. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, just general skepticism. You know, remember right. that many of these profiles are fake, and if someone's trying to, um, you know, strike up a romantic relationship with you online, that, sad to say, odds are, it's not real. Right. Um, but here's one I hadn't really thought of or heard of. Ask the caller to raise their hands or stand up. Because evidently the technology can't quite deal with that. Right. It, and it uh, breaks up. 
it misses the face. And if you if they stand up, you're gonna see you're gonna see the thing turn off briefly. You're gonna realize it's fake. Yeah. Uh, move around. I mean, it's just getting them to move around rapidly. Right. I think. Um, I would say uh, is is on this list here a, uh, a watch for the platform change. In other words, you're on some dating app. Yeah. Right. And now this person has asked you to move to some chat application where you can video chat. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Although with this, I mean, they wouldn't necessarily have to do no, that. No, they wouldn't. If, we... if the video chat can happen in the dating app, then this will go right through that. Yeah, exactly. But the difference is the dating apps also don't want these guys on there. Right. So they delete these scam profiles as soon as they find out their scam profiles. Right, right. But they, that's why they want you off the off the platform so you can they can continue to talk to you about these things. Right. And if you ask them, if you say, Joe, I noticed that you aren't on the dating app anymore. What are you going to say to me? Oh, it's because of you, Dave. I love you so much. <laughs> I closed down my dating That's app. That's right. The search is over. Right. <laughs> Dave, you are my soulmate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Don't let Lisa know. <laughs> um, they talk about uh, bringing a friend in to take a look at your new relationship. We've talked about this yeah, one many yeah. times. And the hard part there is really listening to your friend. Yeah. You know, it's um, one of the biggest problems with a lot of this is that when, uh, by the time you bring a, fr a friend is involved in this situation, the victim is already so groomed by the scammer mm -hmm. that they have been conditioned to think that the friend is jealous of the relationship. Right. And is going to try to sabotage it just because it's um, it's something they don't have. The friend right. doesn't have. Right. You don't want me to be happy. Right. They yeah. don't want you to be happy. Yeah. Um, so be prepared for that. Yeah, as as a potential victim of a romance game, like every single one of us actually is, even though we all like to think to ourselves, no, I'd never <laughs> fall for that. Right. Yeah. At some point in time, you will. You'll yeah. fall for something. Yeah. If you have a friend who says, uh, you need to step back and think about this, they see something that you don't see, mm -hmm. and you don't see it because you're too emotionally vested. Take a step back and think about it. Yeah, I, I wonder... Like, for that specific thing, how do you inoculate someone against that ahead of time? Uh, make them listen to this podcast. Dave. <laughs> uh, Joe, that's your answer for everything. It is. <laughs> it's actually, Dave, I actually believe it's one of the answers for, uh, I wish we could go out there and force people to listen to other people say, here's what happens during a romance scam. Right. But you can't force anybody to do it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, so, I mean, that's the purpose of this show is to, to so everybody knows what the scam is before they see it. Mm -hmm. Because if you know what the scam is before you see, it, you see it, I think you're less likely to fall for it. Yeah. And there's research that says this as well. Sure. Um, so, that's the best thing beforehand is, you know, you have somebody who's newly single, talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. You know, say, hey, you got to watch out for scammers on this thing. Here's what you look out for. You look out for the the love bombing. You look out for the change of platform. You look out for the not willing to meet you in person or the far away person. Right. Um, and then you look for uh, the ask for money. And that's that's it. That's the that's how all of this works. That's the process that you're going through. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't sound like that to the victim, but that's exactly what happens. Yeah. Another point they make that's a good one is to listen to the people at your bank. Yeah. If, if they say the situation looks suspicious, believe them. Right. Yeah. They see it all the time. <laughs> right. If, and you're probably not different from other people that have been scammed. Yeah. So, yeah, if your bank says this is a problem, that should be a wake-up call for everybody. 
Yeah. I will say it, it, it's been heartening to see how much more deliberate training there's been from the folks in these retail positions. You know, the po- the people at the counter at the bank, the people yeah. at the, the grocery store or the drugstore where you can buy your gift cards. Right. They, there's been a good amount of training up of those folks just to to try to head these things off at the pass. Right. Yeah. So I, I agree. Good. Yeah. And that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the the video of this stuff is remarkable and uh, a really eye-opening. So, you know, I think that's a great uh, way to inoculate people as well. If you have folks you might, you know, you think might be a victim of this, send this video around. Right. Because, uh, you know, picture paints a thousand words, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it, it, it's compelling. And there's 30 pictures in every second of video. There you go. So that's, there you go. What's that? All 30, right, thousand well, words every second. I, okay, <laughs> I'll take your word for I it. I like doing that. <laughs> right, right. All right, we will have a link to that story in the show notes. Joe, what do you have for us this week? Dave, I'm also going to go with a deep fake story today. Okay, but it's not. Um, it's not a. I'll tell you what happened. Yeah. Somebody on social media in Baltimore County. Okay. Dropped a video with that was just audio that is purportedly the voice of the high school principal of Pikesville High School. His name is Eric Eiswert. Okay. And they have said that this is his voice, and he is saying things in the video clips that are racist and anti-Semitic. Oh, okay. Have you heard this story? No, I have not. Oh, okay. I've listened to the audio, the unedited, well, the audio that was initially released on... uh, on social media. Yeah. It is edited. Obviously so. Okay. Right? There there are breaks where it stops and it it is conceivable to me that if this clip is genuine, then somebody would just took out all the parts that were uh not relevant to the accusation of of racist comments and just strung the racist comments together. Sure. But Kind of like a ransom note letter, right? Yeah, it, it sounds audio like a version of a ransom it note. It is definitely, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is definitely, uh, definitely edited. Okay, and so I think that's interesting. the The second thing is that uh, Mr. Icewart's defense is that that wasn't me. That's deep fake audio. Okay. Okay. That's his. That's his defense. Now, Baltimore County Schools is investigating this. Um, but uh, that didn't stop the news from going all over the place about it, right? Some people even showing up at the principal's house, Ugh. knocking on his door to ask oh, him questions. Oh, news people, you News mean. people, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so WJZ reached out to an expert. His name is Hany Farid. Mm. Uh, he's a professor at UC Berkeley. Okay. Now, I don't know why WJZ would reach out to UC Berkeley when they have an institution like Hopkins so close. <laughs> That's your unbiased opinion, That's Joe. my unbiased opinion. <laughs> okay, fair Very enough. Close. <laughs> uh, we do have a media response department. Duly noted. <laughs> I did an interview yesterday. Okay. Um, and he says, I don't think you can say that this is an authentic recording. Mm. And he's not, he's not saying it's fake, but... He wants to be very careful with his wording in this. And he says, I don't think you can say it's real. And I think before we say it's real, you you have to think about this. You have to get, you have to do this investigation that Baltimore City Schools is doing. Right. Right. Because he's talking to somebody. 
but I took a look around social media today, mm-hmm. and uh, in particular TikTok. I don't have a TikTok account, but I just Googled it, and it led me to a couple of TikTok videos. There are people just absolutely buying in on this. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if this is real or not, but the news media has already showed up to his house. If this turns out to not be real, and I haven't seen any news articles that have followed up on it. This happened about a week ago. Nobody is saying that we've determined that it's fake. There's no news that says we've determined that it's fake. Yeah. Or, or that they've confirmed that it's real. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder about the ethical implications of just showing up on some guy's doorstep to talk to him about something where he has a pretty modern and reasonable defense mm-hmm. about about this, about something. Uh, yeah, Because it's entirely possible that this media is synthetic. Uh, sure. It, I think it needs to be analyzed, but even if you analyze it, the, the fact that the the media has got a hiss behind it. I mean, you could have, there could have been a bunch of different production values that went into this to, to cover up the artifacts, but maybe the artifacts are still there. I'd like to see it get analyzed. Well, I, I think more interesting or as interesting is just the, the reality that this is where we are. Right. Right. And that, I think as we head into this political season, as a friend of mine used to call it, silly season. Yes. Um, I'll keep calling it that, Dave. (laughs) Silly season. (laughs) Uh, We're just going to see more of this. And so you have the two sides of it. You can have anybody who says anything horrible, somebody gets caught on a hot mic saying something horrible, they'll be able to uh, attempt the defense of saying, yeah, it must have been a deep fake. Right. I I never said that. Yep. Uh, There was a deep fake used in one of the recent... Uh, primaries. Yeah, New Hampshire. It was, yeah, yeah, New Hampshire, where President it was Biden. a, a yep. tape of Biden calling people up going, uh, don't bother showing up at the polls. Right. I've already won or something like that. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like I say, defense for that is never trust any information on an inbound call. I detest when I get political telephone calls. <laughs> You, Joe. And the only thing I detest more than that is when I walk into the voting place and there's people there trying to sway my vote before I vote. Yeah. I hate that. I know. It's like, oh, oh, I haven't made up my mind on who I'm going to vote for. Who should I vote for, (laughs) random person on the street? Oh, look, there's a sign. My mind is made up. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I'll say the one, well, one of the ones that rubs me the wrong way are sign waivers. You know, the people that when the politicians stand by the side of the road, and distract traffic by waving signs oh, yeah. with their names on them. Yes. Um, I, I Sadly, I think the only way that's going to change is if somebody gets run over. Right. You know, and <laughs> Maybe the politician. That's what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, like that's the only way it's going to be, you know, stopped. Because, right. Because, uh, I don't know, they have evidence that it works, or at least they believe it does. Yeah. I don't know. But back to this thing about the... I saw a guy holding up a name, uh, his name on a sign waving at me one time, and I wound up voting for him because that changed my mind. No, that, <laughs> that never happened. Right, but it's just, I think it's like an awareness kind of thing. I think what happens is if you are not, if there's a particular position that you haven't really thought much about, you're more likely to hit the button, or lots of people are more likely to hit the button for the name they've just seen more times. Yeah, that's so probably that's, true. That's what, they're, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to get that name in front of you and uh, can't blame them for that, but it, I think it's dangerous. You know, one of the good things about living in Maryland is we don't have to worry about the primary process. Yeah. Because by the time Maryland votes in the primaries, the election's already been decided. 
<laughs> yeah. So, I mean, true. it's... it's yeah, I guess it depends. Yeah, certainly on certain levels, that's true. Right. Um, so, I mean, where do we end up with this? Is is, is it, there's there's been talk about um, chains of custody for things like right video and audio, and this video just showed up on social media. Right. So there is no provenance on this. Correct. What we're talking about is provenance. How long, you know, who had this? Now, you're talking about the hot mic. Usually that's like a, a newscaster sitting in a room. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they just so happen to be recording. Right. And then they they catch somebody on a hot mic. That's good provenance. Right. Um, but this, this is not good provenance. No. So do we dismiss it? Uh, I think we do the investigation. Yeah. Uh, we we ask we ask the because uh, he's talking to somebody in in the room. He names somebody. Right. Uh, so we interview that person, see if we can get any information out of that person, see if the stories add up. Right. Uh, and then we run. Uh, if we, you know, I, I say it's really simple to run a, um, a a classifier on it and see if it comes up as fake. If it comes up as fake, definitely fake. You dismiss it. We're done. Yeah. Right, but if it doesn't come up as fake, then you're still going to have to do the um, the uh, the investigation because I can think of a number of ways that you can take a synthetic video or a synthetic audio, modify it so it comes out sounding like an audio uh, analog video analog audio. Sure, and then putting it out on social media. Yeah, I guess the the bottom line here is you just can't take things at face value. No, you cannot take things at face value. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Well, we will have links to this story in the show notes. And of course, we would love to hear from you. If there's something you'd like us to cover on the show, you can email us. It's hackinghumans at n2k.com. Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. David's again from Van, who has another voicemail for us. All right. Uh, And he says, I'm not sure what's going on with the music at the beginning. Maybe something to get your attention. And then you're curious when the music changes, which it does. It's very interesting. Who knows? Uh, But I think they have a reason. Keep up the good work on the show. So let's play the audio. All right. take a nap. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> like, I, I would have hung up by now. Right. <laughs> would it? This call is to authorize the payment of $1,499 for the recent order of Apple MacBook Pro on your Amazon account. If you do not authorize this payment, please press 1 to speak to our customer support representative. Ah, uh, there you, there it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So if you press so, one, you get put through to a scammer. Right. Uh, I get these calls. I've gotten I've gotten these calls one time. Yeah. Uh, and I push one, and I just start asking questions like, "Tell me how this scam works." <laughs> and man, that makes those guys angry. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> and uh, you know, I should probably just hang up, like you said, halfway through. I'd have hung up by now. Right. But uh, I can't help myself, Dave. I just have to do it. Well, it's all right. I mean, uh, 
What do you think the music is about? There's, it starts out with like an old-timey cartoon. Yeah, like a 1930s sound. cartoon. Like as soon as I do that, as soon as I hear that, I see a cow dancing with his arms. Right, know, with elbows. those rub, rubber hose limbs that right. they used to have. <laughs> exactly. You know, with exclamation points coming out of his head. Yeah, and then it changes to the sleepy time music. Like huh? spa music. Like yeah. I'm about to, I don't know, get a, you know, a, a cucumber facial or something. <laughs> <laughs> that silly cucumber on the eyes. I treatment. guess it's to lull you into... Uh, relaxation or yeah I don't know that's and then weird to panic you with the hey we've just noticed a big purchase on your Amazon account right right uh, Van also writes in with some follow up on, on his last voicemail about the Spectrum offer okay he says he's not a Spectrum customer but it's likely that the phone number where he received that voicemail has been on a on a Spectrum support ticket in the past okay so maybe yeah maybe he's under a spect- uh, an area that Spectrum serves right right could be part of a data breach. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Van, for sending that in. And, and of course, again, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is hackinghumans at n2k.com. We were talking about making users into an asset for security professionals. Simply put, users want to do the right thing. They're often just lacking the knowledge to do so. That's one of the reasons Before has released Security Coach, a real-time security coaching tool that takes alerts from your existing security stack and sends immediate coaching to users who've taken risky actions. For example, imagine a user has visited a high-risk website or tried to open a document containing malware. Existing security tools will likely block that action, but the user might not understand why. Security Coach analyzes these alerts and provides users with relevant security tips via email or Slack, coaching them on why the action they just took was risky. Help users learn from their mistakes and strengthen your organization's security culture with Security Coach. Learn more about Security Coach at knowbefore.com slash securitycoach. That's knowbefore.com slash security coach. Joe, I recently had the pleasure of speaking with Jason Schultz. He is a technical leader with Cisco Talus, a research team there, part of Cisco. Uh, and our conversation centers on some of their research on scammers who are making use of Google Forms. Here's my conversation with Jason Schultz. Well, I do a lot of work on the anti-spam side of things. Um, originally, when I joined Cisco, I was managing the SpamCop product um, and, and doing customer support for that as well. Um, I still do a lot of work on the anti-spam side. I maintain a lot of our spam traps and things. So I routinely go out and sign up for mailing lists and put email addresses out there just to see kind of what comes in. And this came in and it looked slightly like a form type message. Um, and it, it caught my eye just because it was different than some of the form spam that we normally see. So you're the guy taking one for the team by, by signing <laughs> yeah. up for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, I... I uh, have no spam filters on my incoming email, so I get a lot of email. Wow. <laughs> well, let's 
let's talk about this uh, specifically. Can you can you walk us through exactly uh, what the bad guys are up to here? Yeah, certainly. So, um, you know, one of the ways that uh, anti-spam companies, you know, identify bad messages is sometimes by the path that the message takes. So if you have a a mail server that's known to be sending a lot of spam, uh, it will end up on a block list fairly quickly and you won't be talking to it or receiving mail from it. Um, And so spammers are aware of this. And so they're constantly looking for ways that they can either blend in with legitimate traffic or even hijack the reputation of, of a legitimate sender. And in this case, the spammers are using Google Forms uh, to take advantage of Google's own email infrastructure for doing the outbound sending. Hmm. Well, can we talk about some of the specifics here? I mean, what's the functionality within Forms that enables this? Right. So in this case, uh, the, the spammers are creating a form. And then when you actually go to the settings for the form, you can you can make the form a quiz uh, or a questionnaire. Um, and then there's some other settings that are important for this to work releasing the grades you know if it's a quiz you're going to release the grades there's two options one is to release the grades immediately so you've got the answers already stored and when somebody enters their answers you can give them their scores right away or you can release the grades later after a teacher or or professor has reviewed the answers and and graded them uh, probably for more like written responses and things i would think Uh, so they set it up for later after manual review and what this does is this turns on the collection of the email address. So when someone fills out the form, they also have a form field that they fill out for their email address as well. And so then what happens is when the form is generated, uh, you can either send out the form to the various uh, people who are going to be taking the quiz, or you can actually get a link to go to the form yourself. And, and uh, the, that's what the spammer is doing in this case. They're going to this form that they've set up and then they're filling out the form using the email address field of the intended recipient of the spam, of the victim. Hmm. And then uh, when they do this, they end up on a screen in Google Forms that shows you all the different responses to your quiz and you can then release the grades and when you do that, you have the option to you know, customize the message. And so by releasing the grades, uh, that forces Google Forms to then send an email to the, to the victim who, who, of course, did not fill out the form. This was done on, on behalf of the spammer. Uh, but they end up getting the email. And at the beginning of the subject line, you'll see that uh, score released uh, text, which is put there automatically by Google. And so the notion here is that because this email is coming from Google, it's likely to make it through standard spam filters? Right. Um, You know, part of the problem with spam is that, uh, you know, spammers are constantly throwing things against the wall to see what sticks or, you know, what makes it past the filters. Um, And by using Google's own email infrastructure, uh, they go a long way. You know, you can't necessarily block all Google Forms, uh, if you're, you know, doing a, a processing a lot of email, so in a way they're they're kind of blending in with all these legitimate forms traffic, and so it becomes very very difficult to block unless you already know something about the content that they're going to be sending. Um, in this case, you know, these messages came to some of our spam traps, and the content, you know, made it into our 
our automated systems, which would block that very, very quickly. Uh, but it's one of those things where they can keep sending stuff until it gets through. And so it's a bit of a game of, of whack-a-mole, if, if you will. To what degree do you suppose that they're using automation on their side? Uh, well, there's certainly a, a fair bit of automation. Uh, if you look at the final scam website, I mean, the attention to detail that they put into there, um, you first have to, you know, go to the website and it asks you if you want to, you know, log in and they've pre-filled in a username and password so that you can just go ahead and log in. And then you go in and, you know, you there's a chat window with different uh, supposed users who are, you know, talking about the their 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 winnings or their the the Bitcoin that they've been able to cash in, right? Mm. Of course, all if you watch for long enough, you'll see the same messages kind of repeating over and over. Uh, <laughs> but and you can actually they set it up so you can even comment in there if you wanted to. Uh, but of course, you're you're commenting basically to yourself uh, because that's not going out in any sort of a chat room that's visible to anybody else. Uh, then when you go in. Uh, they actually direct you if you want to claim your Bitcoin. They direct you to a chat room where they actually have a you know what's a, is supposedly an agent who's chatting with you. Uh, now this is also automated. You know they, they, you get the the three dots as if they're typing, and then a message comes out. Uh, so they've gone to a lot of detail just to try to convince you that you're actually chatting with a real support agent. Um, they don't give you much in the way of you know, customize your response or customize your questions. Uh, so they've kind of thought that through. Uh, but I was just looking at the site earlier today. And at one point, uh, you know, before you can click through to the final, you know, form where you're chatting through the support agent, you know, they've got, uh, you know, the current balance and they're, they're kind of collecting your Bitcoins. And one of the things that's interesting is they're actually paying attention to whether that web page is live in the view or not. And if you navigate to a different tab, it kind of pauses the activity. So they're even, you know, trying to hook people who are, you know, going to sit there and watch the automation that they've included in this webpage for this scam. Hmm. Um, and one of the things that surprised me was just kind of getting to the end of the scam and, and all they were asking for was about $64. And I was just thinking about, you know, the amount of effort that they've went to to build this web page to try to scam people out of Bitcoin. Of course, Bitcoin's been kind of going back up lately, so it doesn't surprise me that those scams are circulating a bit more now. Uh, but it definitely surprised me just in terms of the 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 effort and the the final website that they direct you to, as well as since then I've seen them branch out into other types of Google form spam. They've also been uh, abusing Atlassian, uh, Jira. I'm kind of tracking these guys uh, a bit behind the scenes, these guys who are behind this particular scam. And they branched out to a couple of different services that offer kind of similar things to Google Forms, you know, products where you can uh, send transactional email, but then they're including links in those emails and hoping that people click there and go to the final scam website. You know, it's it's interesting from my own personal experience. It, I, I I honestly don't think that much about spam, but but as you and I are, are talking, I suppose that in large part that's because folks like you and your colleagues are out there making sure that most of it doesn't get in front of me. Yeah, we definitely work hard to try to make that that the case. Um, one of the other things I feel that's that's driving it is. 
uh, you know, people spend a lot more time on various social media now, uh, Discord, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Telegram, uh, you know, you name it. So there's a lot more avenues for them to reach people. And so I think while email will always remain, you know, one particular channel that will see scams being delivered, uh, scammers have kind of branched out and, and are using a lot of different methods in, in order to find potential victims. Hmm. What are your recommendations then for folks to best protect themselves here? Right. So, uh, you know, there's a couple things. One, um, if you get a message from, from Google Forms, um, you know, you should probably, you know, and it's talking about Bitcoin. I mean, this just seems like what would what would Google Forms have to do with an account uh, that you have Bitcoin stored? So that's kind of the first red flag to me. Um, mm. But then when you go there, they're telling you, oh, you haven't logged in for a while. You have a Bitcoin that you can cash out. That's worth, you know, $45,000. Um, this sounds too good to be true. And when things sound too good to be true, they, they often are. So, um, you know, using a bit of common sense in terms of the email that you receive. And then, of course, you know, not necessarily clicking on links that are sent to you unsolicited. Right. And this is especially important when you're dealing with things like messages that might come from a bank or some other website where, you know, you have an account. You know, you wouldn't want to navigate to these websites independently of the email you got and log in just on your own. And, you know, if there's something you need to do or some message in there, then that's where you will see it. Uh, so, you know, be extremely wary of anything that's sent to you through email or even unsolicited through social media. Joe, what do you think? I like his method here. Yeah. Go out and sign up for a bunch of accounts and get a bunch of email accounts and then turn off all the spam filters and see what you get. <laughs> right. Gives you an idea what's going on. It's like uh, slathering yourself with honey and going out in a forest full of bears. Right. <laughs> let's see, let's count how many bears there are right. out here. <laughs> oh, there's one. Yeah, yeah, I think you only get to one. He's getting closer. Yeah. <laughs> right. Spammers know the lay of the land here. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're not, they're not dumb. They know what they're doing. And they know that uh, there are spam filters out there that do do this analysis, and they're going to try to get any, around any of that classification that they can. Right. Uh, so that's why they're using Google Forms. It's a great way to do that. Yeah. Um, and this is a very convoluted use of something that Google developed to make what I think is testing students easier, where they create a quiz, um, and then. You know, you, you go in and you fill out the quiz and then you click uh, submit and then they can look at the results and say, send, a, uh, send an email. Right. This sounds like it might be labor intensive, but I'll bet this can be automated very quickly. And yeah. you, you, and, you and Jason touched on that. Yeah. I'm thinking this is automated. I would think so. I think Google would have some kind of API or something. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know, why they would do an API to let people fill out forms, though, is kind of weird or maybe they're just making calls to the form yeah who knows? Um, you know resubmitting it it could be what's interesting is that uh unless you block you can't really block all the forms right all everything from google forms mm -hmm. or maybe you can if you if you have a business policy that says we're never going to use google forms and not allow our people to use google forms right unlikely business policy right <laughs> right um 
But unless you know the text, you probably can't get it. You can't block it. Yeah. And if your spam filters do somehow manage to stop this, they do realize this is a uh, a spam email, these guys can just change how they're doing it so it comes through. Right. They have all the time in the world. Um, I like <laughs> I like this story at the end of the scam, you get a message that says, to collect your Bitcoin, go here. Right? Ooh, I'm going to get some Bitcoin. And then right. you're waiting for them as if you were talking to a real person. <laughs> you're waiting for a scammer. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I find that a little insulting, Dave. <laughs> if you're going to scam me, be on the phone for me. Or be you, on... you, you want a, a scammer with a good sense of punctuality. Right. right? I, wanna, <laughs> I, want, I want the personal attention from you the scammer. You want a scammer who respects your time. Right. Exactly. If they're going to take your money, the least they could do is respect your time. And, and understand. Be a, be a real person on the other end. Yeah. You know. Okay. I mean, don't be like the AT&T customer service or, or Verizon customer service. We're going to have to press one to... Get for, get through, don't do that. You're a scammer. <laughs> You've got me. Okay, never mind. I shouldn't be joking about this, but it it does. It, it is uh, interesting that they 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 mimic the miserable experience we all have with customer service, right? Because <laughs> maybe it makes it seem more authentic. It does exactly my point. It makes it seem more. This authentic. is some authentic misery, <laughs> right? Oh boy. <laughs> you, you know, it's like that thing. If it's too good to be true. Um, it probably is. Right, and this is terrible. <laughs> this is, yeah, right. Yeah. This isn't too good to be true. <laughs> right, yeah. I think it's interesting that when the uh, when the window loses focus, and Jason's talking about the window losing focus, they stop adding up your Bitcoin, right? Like mm-hmm. how much Bitcoin you've received stops counting. And you come back to the window, and it says, uh, okay, well, now we'll resume the counting. That's like a demand on your attention. Yeah. Uh, Facebook videos do this. Like if you start a Facebook video and then you click on another tab because you just want to listen to it, the first video stops. Hmm. I refuse to watch videos on Facebook anymore. Yeah. Won't do it. Uh, I'll just look up the video on YouTube and then uh, keep it running in the background. Yes. I I, I think that's safe. Uh, to me, Facebook is like a big uh, poster child for the second location prohibition. Yes. You know, like, yeah. Never go to the second location. Right. Don't right. don't watch a video on Facebook. Don't browse to a website on Facebook because everything you do, every interaction, if you do it through Facebook, they're tracking everything. Right. So just be cautious. Uh, they're using Atlassian as well, the Jira platform, mm-hmm. to send out emails to people. Uh, anything that sends emails has the potential to be abused this way. Like we talk frequently about the PayPal email, emails. Right. Uh, these are legitimate emails from PayPal that scammers are using under the one month free uh, services. And they're sending out invoices hoping that they get paid. Yeah. Uh, and Atlassian is doing, uh, is trying to uh, automate the process of Jira, which is a software development management tool to get emails, to send emails. But that goes right through spam filters mm. or has a higher chance of going through spam filters. Right. Uh, they're also looking to now exploit social media apps. They're just going through WhatsApp, Facebook, uh, Twitter. They're just hitting your X, I guess we say now. <laughs> I say X Twitter. X Twitter? <laughs> yeah. Because you're an X Twitter user? <laughs> yeah, and I think it's more... X is just a terrible name. So, And X Twitter... Because the other thing you can say is the platform formerly known as Twitter. So yeah, that's it's like, just shorter to say X Twitter. That's what we used to say about Prince. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, so. I, you know, 
I was on Twitter or whatever it is today. Yeah. Uh, I was, something came up when I went, I had to go there to look at something. Yeah. And uh, I'm signed in with my professional account and I retweet something. Uh, I think I retweeted the tweet about last week's show that our our team put out because every week I send a, a plug out and our media person, Megan, sent, puts it up on Twitter. Okay. So I retweeted that and it goes, well, let's validate you're not a bot. I'm like, what? Huh. How, how, I don't interact with this platform enough for you to think I'm a bot. Right. <laughs> right. You just don't have enough information. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just them trying to get me to pay the eight bucks a month, which I won't do. That's, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Right. right. So sorry. Sorry, Elon. Uh, you're not getting eight bucks out of me. No social media <laughs> company is ever going to get a dime out of me. Okay. Period. There you go. Grumpy old Joe again. Uh, <laughs> your best defense, be suspicious. Uh, always go to the website directly of any of these companies, especially if it's a financial company or your email company. Right. Um, they should not be sending you links to external services like this. Yeah. Like if my bank sent me a link, legitimately sent me a link and said, go fill out this Google form, I think I'd go close my accounts. <laughs> I'd be like, well, no, they don't take security very seriously here. Mm. I don't think my bank would do that, but yeah. who knows? All right. Well, again, our thanks to Jason Schultz from Cisco Talus for joining us. We do appreciate him taking the time. We want to thank all of you for listening. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors at Know Before. They are experts in helping users do the right thing through new school security awareness training. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. A quick reminder that N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Stokes. Our mixer is Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Iben and Brandon Karpf. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. <laughs>